Sitting round the fire Playing games with my sweet She plays out marshmallow Gorsh, that's hard to beat Oh, how I desire To toast that hollow man But it keeps on going back To her hand Come on now, let's play some more Kana what a great song that goofy man man he knows what's up it's like johnny cash and then goofy yeah i mean goofy and then johnny cash my mistake of course I, I mean yeah one two number one goofy yeah one two <laughs> and then a large margin yeah. <laughs> and then Johnny Cash. And then everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Goofy. Yeah. He failed at skiing and football and fishing and, and many other things, but at silly Lorcana songs. For a podcast about Disney food and Lorcana, man, he knocks it out of the park. Yeah. That was his talent all along, his greatest skill. His greatest skill. All right, welcome back to S'more Kana for episode two. Episode two! I bet we're sounding pretty pretty good to everybody out there. Ooh, what happened? Did we get an upgrade? We may have upgraded our microphones because we instantly fell in love with podcasting after doing a single episode. We're what some would call podcast heads now. <laughs> <laughs> is that something that you can be as a podcast know. head? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> On Smorkana, where we have one graham cracker that is card gaming and Lorcana, and we have one graham cracker that is Disney knowledge, and then... And then the chocolate is, like, our marriage? Okay. And then it's filled with the fluff of whatever uh, je ne sais quoi that we possess. Uh, oui. That's it, right? That's, that's the s'more. I think that's the s'more, and it's our lifelong goal to eat s'mores in Disney World while playing Lorcana. That will happen. Yeah. That will happen. In fact, on a future episode, <gasps> we will discuss how to have s'mores in Disney World while playing Lorcana. That will be, we'll make a whole episode about it. Well, we have a great episode two mm -hmm. planned for everybody today. We're going to talk about the upcoming set Into the Inklands. Into the Inklands. Or the Inklands. It's been a subject of some debate. We've, we we're not quite sure. Is it Inklands or Inklands? No, it's definitely Inklands. You think so? Because I thought yes. I, I was convinced it was Inklands because it's one word. The Inklands. What? The Hinterlands. You don't see the Hinterlands, right? You say. Yeah, but it's not like England. You don't say England. It's not into the Inklands. Why not? I refuse to believe it. This is the <laughs> number one point of contention in our marriage right now. This is now. all we're talking about today. Scratch the rest of that stuff. Well, let's hear. We'll put up a poll. We'll put yeah. up a poll on Spotify because I know you can do that. And we'll see what, what do the people say. Is it Inklands? Am I right? Or is Katie right? About everything. Mm-hmm. About everything. <laughs> <laughs> this will then be used to judge... Further arguments in so our life. So vote carefully, everybody. You're going to determine a lot about our marriage. That's the power we're giving you. Yes. Our listeners. Yep. So we're going to talk about Into the Inklands. We're going to Inklands. Inklands. 
Oh, mm, goodness. Look what you just said. We're going to talk about set three of the <laughs> wonderful card game Lorcana today. We'll each be picking out some cards to talk about. Yeah. Because there are a lot to talk about. So we wanted to just so highlight many. some that have particularly hilarious and or relevant food comparisons. Yes. Brett's been diving deep into all the England's cards. <laughs> See, I just said England's. Right. I don't know. I'm rubbing off. Um, um, and I've been trying to stay away from them, but I've picked out... Some that have stuck out even to me. I like I like keeping some of it a mystery, keeping some of the cards a surprise. So I'm excited to dive into them and chat about them. And we don't know the cards that each of us picked. Right. So I'm excited to look at those too. Then we're going to go on and talk about what was her name? I can't even remember what her name was. No, but I wrote it down because I knew I needed to ask you about it. We're going to talk about Marceline, Missouri. Yes, we're going to talk which about might a be place. A, a place, Marceline, Missouri. That yes. makes more sense. Yes. I just kind of assumed because last time it was about a person. No, no, no. We talked about you talked about Eric Goldberg, the Disney animator Eric Goldberg. I thought I that did. you were going to talk about another Disney uh, persona, but this is in fact a place. No, yeah, it's a place. Great. Well, we're going to talk about that in Bet You Didn't Know About Diz. Oh, yes. And for dessert, we have a couple more dream cards. Yeah, some dream cards that you dreamed up and they look fabulous. This is going to be a lot of fun. But before we get into our first segment, for a little appetizer course. Yeah, let's order some apps. The big thing, the big change, the big new feature of Inklands is locations. Locations. What are they? What do they mean, Brett? Well, it's a whole new card type. It's so different that it's not even printed in the same orientation. It's horizontal. Yeah, that's wacky. I like that. It's a whole new dimension oh. added to the game. Oh, A horizontal dimension. A landscape Format, you could say, for these locations. Absolutely. So we want to talk a quick chat before we get to our feature segment. What do we think about locations? Are we excited for them? Are they going to change the game? Are they going to have an impact on the competitive scene? Are they going to be at all worthwhile to include in decks ranging from your local league decks, your kitchen table decks, all the way up to your competitive, your 2K, your 5K decks? I'm very excited for what they're going to do for the game thematically absolutely i'll give it away right now i picked a location for one of my cards to compare no to snacks way. later well, yeah that is apt it it is apt for this app um I, I i don't know i'm excited i think that they're a cool mechanic i can't wait to use them i think even just like really simply i like the idea of some of the cards being sideways as as silly as that sounds, I like, mean, aesthetics are a huge part yeah. of card gaming for sure. So, just aesthetically, it's really pretty. I mean, we've seen you, you've seen at least a few of them. If you picked one of one of them for one of your cards later, indeed. Aesthetically, it's it's really cool. It's cool to see cards yeah. in different orientations on the board. It it gives you something different to look at. So, yeah, I think that's important. You, you don't aesthetics distinguish card games. So, yep. I think it's really fair to point out the aesthetics as a huge plus for locations. Let's talk maybe a little bit about what they do, because maybe somebody hasn't nailed down what the rule set is for, mm. or somebody maybe somebody who's listening isn't exactly sure of what the rules are for locations. Yeah, they have not existed in Lorcana before, so... Yeah, so basically, you include them in your deck like any other card. They can be inked or they can be uninkable like any other card. 
you pay a cost to play them down. And then there are three other values to be aware of. The first is on the left side of the card, there's a kind of downward facing arrow symbol. That is how much it costs to move a character to that location. On the right side, you have the willpower symbol, which is how much attack, how much damage, how much you have to challenge with to banish that location. And then there's also a lore value. So on the turn that the location comes into play, you can instantly move a character to that location. The character can also be drying, and you can still move the character there. And the location doesn't have to dry at all. Right, which is awesome. Absolutely. It, it makes a, an immediate presence. You don't really have to, to wait for it to come around. And then they always enter play exerted, for lack of a better term. They can always be challenged by your opponents. It, there's no leaving them ready so that they can't be challenged. Right. The way they're designed, all they are is exerted. Anyways. Exactly. It helps visually. You, that makes a lot of sense. And then the lore value happen you gain lore passively based on that lore value during the set step of your turn so at the beginning of your turn there's ready you ready all your characters then set you would gain lore equal to the lore value of all your locations in play and then you'd go on to the draw step so should be pretty seamless in terms of integration i mean that just took me about a minute to explain all those rules so I think that it's not going to be hard if you're going out to your first Into the Inklands event on Friday or Saturday. It's not going to be hard to pick up how to play these and, and use them in your deck. Yeah, it's like a it's like a plussed up item. Or even like if, you know, an item and a character had a baby card. <laughs> sure. It's a location, you know? Absolutely. I, I think I'm really excited because I've seen locations in a lot of other games. Decipher, the Star Wars CCG, way back in the 90s, used locations horizontally like this. It was a huge part of the game, moving characters from one location to another. And there are penalties if, if your opponent had characters at a location and you didn't, there are penalties. You kind of want to, con to control the different locations. So that was a very prominent place in terms of design for locations. And then I've seen other games like Hearthstone, for example, where locations are these semi-permanent fixtures on the board that don't function a whole lot different from characters. They, they are in the same orientation. You can use them during the same, um, the same amount of times, basically, for some kind of incremental benefit. It, it didn't really change the game too much. Yeah. So I think that the Lorcana locations have this middle ground where it's not all of a sudden all about locations. And they're also not just like an item or uh or or a character. They have they have some things in common, but I really appreciate the the different lane that locations exist in. Definitely. I think I think they're gonna be a fun new addition. I I have I have no qualms. I'm excited. And of course, there are so many iconic Disney locations. A lot of locations are just as iconic as some of our favorite characters. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the locations I'm talking about today, quite iconic. Pride Rock? Oh. Come on. Is that one of them? Maybe. <gasps> oh. Sorry. You know I won't what? say anything about it. I might spend the rest of tonight just looking at all the Inklands cards. I don't know if I can handle it. Well, that's locations. Anything else you want to say before we dive into our first segment? No, I'm excited. I mean, I like using locations in Hearthstone. I've liked using locations when we've played Lord of the Rings. I can't wait. Locations, locations, locations. All right. 
We're going to hop into our main course for the episode. Yum, yum. Yum, yum. <laughs> our main course this episode is we're doing some card reviews. We've peeked into a little bit of ink, into the Inklands, into the ink lands. We don't want to sit here and go through all 204 cards of the set. And so, right. in lieu of that, we have hand-selected mm. some of the finest ingredients for your Into the Inklands charcuterie board. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. We've picked some cards that we're going to compare to Disney World snacks today. It's one of our favorite things to do. If you listen to episode one, we like arbitrarily assigning food metaphors to <laughs> to <laughs> Lorcana cards. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing at all. And so we each picked five cards that we mm-hmm. think will be in, in, impactful on the yeah. new meta. They'll make some kind of splash. It might be a good splash or a bad splash or a small splash or a big splash. Yeah. But they stuck out to us for some reason. Absolutely. And perhaps they were particularly comparable in simile form to a Disney food. Exactly. Who's going first? Ooh, rock, paper, scissors? Okay. Uh, rocks, paper, scissors. Okay. This is a whole separate thing. America says rock, paper, scissors. Now I say that, it's not that Brett isn't from America. (laughs) (laughs) It's that he always says rocks, papers, scissors. And I love him even though he does that. I bet that people who say Inklands also say rocks, papers, scissors. But there's one rock. No, when when you're counting, when you're facing each other and you're saying rocks, papers, scissors, there's two rocks, there's two papers, (laughs) and there's two scissorses. I mean, that's true. (laughs) It's true. At this point, I think I'm perpetuating this debate just to be a little cheeky. Just to be cheeky, just try to win. Are you Maybe ready? Maybe a little bit sharp. Ready? Rocks, Rock, paper, scissors, scissors shoot. shoot. Oh. I gotcha. Scissors beats papers. Yep, you got me. All right, that means you're going first, or you you know, you won the roll, so to speak. Do I'll you... go first. And this is a good card gaming tip for everybody out there. In Lorcana right now, if you're going to an event and you don't have a ton of experience playing in a tournament setting or any kind of competitive setting, uh, you want to go first. Yeah, man. As often as possible. If you mm-hmm. roll the dice and you win the the die the die roll of the die, then you want to <laughs> go first. If you yeah. win the rocks papers scissors match, then you want to go first. I can't even look at you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm gonna pop into this. The first card that I'm going to review is a location. Oh. It is a location, which is a massive place. It's got plenty of room for your friends to stay. It's got plenty of room for lots of ducks to live. You could share it with the whole fam. It's McDuck Manor. McDuck Manor is a 1-9, lore location. It's got a beautiful picture of McDuck Manor on it. And the massive size of this location can only make me think of one Disney World snack, and that is the Kitchen Sink Sunday <gasps> at Beaches and Cream. Massive. If you've ever been to Beaches and Cream, or if you have not, I will explain it to you now. When you go to Beaches and Cream, it's an amazing Sunday shop. It's very cute. It's all set up like pink and stripey and fun. It's at Yacht and Beach Club. You go in there, and if you order the Kitchen Sink, which I have done before, I have been very fortunate in this life. The ice cream sundae is A, massive, and B, comes in an actual kitchen sink. They set off all the alarms in the place, and all the, all the cast members there start talking about the kitchen sink, and they're like, somebody ordered the kitchen sink, and then they bring it out. And I'm saying all that extra jazz, all that extra extra, 
is so Scrooge McDuck. Absolutely. You know, I think you've done an excellent job here. Thank you. So much so that I also compared a card to the kitchen sink, which what? we'll get to next. No way. Can, can you? Uh, it's true. And, you know, we've, we've come to think alike I, uh, all, very frequently. Yes. Now, can you t- tell people for who might, who might not know, can you explain for anybody who has never seen in person a kitchen sink, mm-hmm. they, they physically bring you a, a kitchen sink. <laughs> To eat a a massive amount of ice cream out of, yeah? Yeah, so it's not it's not like an industrial kitchen sink. It's a bowl that's made out of metal and has like the knobs and the nodules all over it that a sink has. So it's it's capacious. Yeah. It's a, a little bit extra. Yes. I mean it's definitely a bowl. They don't like rip a sink out of the counter and like bring it out but to you. I think but that, that reminds me of McDonald McDuck Manor for sure. Yeah. That definitely reminds me of McDuck Manor. Mm-hmm. Extra. Huge, extra, ostentatious. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. A big thing. <laughs> nine willpower a, on that a which one nine. Sink. Yeah. You need nine strength to take down a, a kitchen sink. Yeah, and it doesn't have anything else about it because it doesn't need anything else about it, much like a kitchen sink. When you order a kitchen sink, they're not like, do you want anything else on that? <laughs> it comes with plenty of stuff. Right. McDuck Manor has plenty of stuff. For plenty of willpower. Yeah. It just gets you some lore. Yeah. What else do you want? It's just great. I love that. I feel strongly about it. Now, anything else about McDuck Manor before I... No, I'm satisfied. I want to see what you picked. Right. Okay. I was thinking about a card that is also huge. Oh, my God. It has lots of components. Okay. Right? It feels like they maybe took a whole lot of discarded ice cream and and <laughs> threw it all together to make something bigger and better than the sum of its parts. Uh-huh. And for that reason, I <laughs> think that the Chernabog, yeah. the Chernabog <laughs> is the kitchen sink of Into oh. the Inklands. You gotta nice. absolutely. So the Chernabog. Is a 10 cost, 9 9 Ooh. that quests for three. Whoa. However, he has the ability that he costs one less for each character in your discard pile. What? And after you play him, you have to shuffle all of the characters in your discard pile back into your deck. That he's he's big, got a lot of stuff, nine and nine and three. Yeah. He's got two abilities that kind of mesh together and in a, in an interesting way. There's nothing yeah. else quite like it. He's a kitchen sink of characters Ooh. to me. He's got like flames coming out of his fingers, too. Absolutely. I mean, the art's gorgeous. If you get a chance to look at it, definitely, you know, take a peek at that in advance. This is one that um you know, it would be fun to open without it being spoiled for you, but yeah, uh, but it's cool. You want to see it? Just check it out as soon I'm as happy. you possibly can. There is also, spoiler alert, an enchanted version of this card. What? That looks pretty good. Yeah. So I'm really excited about the potential of this card. I really like how it encourages synergies with all of the discarding that Steel can do. You can fill up your discard really quickly with characters like uh, the one cost Simba, the two cost Cinderella, Knight in Training, where you can just start filtering cards in your hand and also be feeding characters into your discard pile. Yeah. And the tempo gain that this card can offer is potentially game winning. 
Now, if you if your opponent doesn't have that piece of hard removal and you can get this out as early as turn five, uh, on turn five, a 9-9 nine nine that quests for three can win you the game. Oh, yeah. Thousand percent. It's also really good in the outside of that kind of best case scenario. There's the potential for post be prepared mm-hmm. or post a double big tank, post tank and grab your sword. If your board's wiped, being able to play for free a large character like that can mm-hmm. really, really help you stay in the game. And it's something that I think Amber really, really likes. Yeah. And I also like that he has like that failsafe built in so that if your opponent plunks out a Chernabog, they have to get rid of their discard. Right. They can't do a Chernabog two turns in a row. I mean, outside of some weird edge cases where you're like whole double whole new worlding, you know, um, you're not going to you're not going to see Chernabog turn after turn after turn. Yeah, he's a he's a just he's a just omnipotent force, (laughs) you know? Yeah, he's very, very cool. I'm really excited by him. Is is one of those cards that is he going to dominate the meta? I don't think so. Mm. Is he going to see some play? Yeah. yeah. It's that sweet spot of really cool, really fun to play, absolutely playable, but doesn't warp the meta. Right. Really exciting. Yeah, really fun. Really cool. That's my kitchen sink. So there you have two kitchen sinks. That's so great. I love that. I mean, that. it makes sense, right? We we both picked the same super esoteric snack from Disney <laughs> yeah. World. Yeah, we uh, did. Of course. All right. Uh, do you have another course. another card you want to talk about? Oh, do I ever? Have you heard of Mickey Mouse, Brett? Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I think. Yeah, sure. The uh, little his... little tiny fellow with red shorts. Yes. You ever heard of his life partner? Uh, Minneapolis Mouse. Yeah. That's her. Yep. No relation to uh, Marceline, Missouri. <laughs> right. The card I'd like to point out is Minnie Mouse, musical artist. Now, this card is glamorous. It's slightly um, caramel-colored, you could say, mm. right? It reminds me of a snack from Germany in Epcot at the Caramel Kuche. Kuche? It's the Caramel Kuche. <laughs> <laughs> Popcorn. Minnie Mouse is the caramel mm-hmm. popcorn. The popcorn. <laughs> Minnie Mouse is the, the caramel popcorn. Hello, sir. I see you have a Minnie Mouse. Yeah. She reminds me of my favorite popcorn from Epcot. From there? From the caramel kuhu. Oh, yeah. I know the kuhu. House. House. The kuhu house. Yeah. Tell me more about this Minnie Mouse. Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> um, I love her. She's the cutest. She's glamorous, much like the glamour of walking around Epcot, popping delicate little pieces of popcorn in your mouth. Come on. Come That's on. a high life right there. Yeah, of course it is. The popcorn's golden, just like her. She's got this cute little dress on. She's a one three. She costs two, but she sings for three. Because I believe... In the world of this card, and in the real world, she's a great singer. So, of course, she can sing for three. It says her ability is Entourage. What? Of course. Of course, Minnie has an Entourage. And where do you go with an Entourage? Epcot. All those mini ears everywhere. Yeah, come on. Whenever you play a character with Bodyguard, you may remove up to two damage from Chosen Character. I mean, come on. That's a lot of things that Amber really likes. Mm-hmm. Amber likes to sing. Yeah. Amber likes bodyguards. Yeah, and Minnie's singing surrounded by bodyguards, and that's just awesome. Iconic. It's iconic, much like caramel popcorn. 
Very nice. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I feel good about it. I've had caramel couche popcorn. I have too. It's it's the best caramel popcorn that you can have. Oh, it's really like warm and fresh. Oh, so good. And there's real German people making real German caramel popcorn. Yeah, it's at Epcot. Awesome. It's amazing. Epcot's the best. Love Epcot. All right. What's your next pick here? My next pick is something a little bit formless. It's hard to know what it's made of. It's famous for sure, and (laughs) there's a lot of buzz about it. Nobody knows quite what it is, and if you were to just look at it on a plate, or anywhere in the world, in fact, I don't know that you'd want to eat it unless somebody told you this tastes good, and it is this thing, Hmm. and you can eat it. I don't think you'd eat it. Hmm. Just like Morph. <laughs> Just like Morph. If Morph was on a plate you'd, and nobody told you to eat him, you wouldn't eat him either. Yeah, Morph, Morph from Treasure Planet. Now, this is a card that everybody's been really excited about, a th- card with a lot of potential. It is a emerald card. It is a two cost, two one, the quest for one. He has the ability. Mimicry, which says, you may play any character with shift on this character as if this character had any name. It's so cool. It's so cool. And thematic, absolutely. Really excited for the gameplay potential of this card. Um, The gray stuff, for those who don't know, the gray stuff is a is a reference to Beauty and the Beast. Br Gaslumiere says, try the gray stuff. It's It's delicious. And if you go to the Be Our Guest restaurant in the Magic Kingdom at Disney World, for dessert, you can be served a plate of the gray stuff. And I don't know what it is. And it looks like kind of like a slug. It does a little bit. But it tastes good. Yeah, I think it's a cookies and cream mousse. I think that's the bit that makes it gray, but I'm not sure. That sounds so prosaic but it really is excellent yeah it's nothing like nothing i've ever had before Mm -hmm. and it's a little bit of disney imagineering magic in the form of food yeah and ties in so well to the story much like morph's card much like morph's card so morph opens up a lot of possibilities it's nice to see a playable inkable (laughs) rare and emerald for sure just a nice inkable Two drop, love to see it. And I think he's going to open up all kinds of possibilities for character for shift characters that maybe didn't have shift targets in the previous sets. Something that comes to mind immediately in Emerald is Bell Hidden Archer, where by turn five, she didn't have that much impact and it was a lot easier to deal with the three three. And also your opponent's hand wasn't as big. Um if, if you lose a foothold on the board, then you know you can kind of ignore her. But if you play her on turn three, that's much, much different. Much, much different. All of a sudden, you have a 3-3 that's ready to go, questing for three on turn three. And your opponent isn't going to be as easily be able to, to deal with that. So that's a cool, a cool potential combo. Yeah, I love Morph. Also, he's named Morph Space Goo, and he looks so cute. Look at no- that face. Knocking the art out of the park. I mean, aesthetically, again just really really wonderful Mm -hmm. it's such a it's such a something i don't want to ever take for granted 
with this game is just yeah. how aesthetically pleasing it is. It's the best. You know, it's sometimes <laughs> when you're thinking about how to concoct a deck and how to play and how to win, et cetera, et cetera, it's easy to kind of get in this pattern where you recognize a card instantly by the rough geometric shapes on it and you stop looking at the art but man is the art in this game absolutely phenomenal and it Gorgeous. really beats the pants out of uh, a lot of other games it really does but back to morph morph some of the other targets that are really great for morph there's no good target up until now for uh beast tragic hero for sad yeah. beast you know, and so that's a potential. I mean, dropping that beast on turn three again, amazing possibilities. You know, you start drawing cards early. You have a big body really early, and mm -hmm. if you know they ping him, then great. He's has more attack than any other character on the board. He's going to be able to take out locations, take out anything your opponent plays. So there's the the ramping potential, the tempo potential that Morph provides. It's really really great. It's so cool. It's really really cool. Some of the other targets, I'm thinking like Lady Tremaine oh, yeah. hasn't had a good shift target and you know early in the game when boards aren't uh, going to be as wide dropping a tremaine really yeah. early can be just a huge tempo <clears throat> win oh yeah so dropping I anything dropping an aladdin yeah absolutely that's gonna be dank some of these characters that are good to play already without a shift target are going to become really really strong mm -hmm. if you have a few other shift targets for morph and include morph in your deck yeah so morph the gray stuff the unknown quantity, the Great formless choice. goo ball of Into the Inklands. Yeah, really good. All right. Do you have another card for us? I sure do. Clear the way, folks. My next card, I'm comparing to a popcorn on Main Street. Now hold the phone. I'm not talking about plain popcorn. I'm talking about the specialty popcorn that you can get at the Main Street Bakery. Okay, like made-to-order popcorn, right? Yes. For those who don't know, at the Main Street Bakery. If you go in the back there, kind of close to where they write your name on your Mickey ears, they have a section of the bakery dedicated to popcorn. You get it in this little bucket. They scoop it out of like a popcorn warmer. Then they can put whatever toppings you want on it. Sometimes they have like specialty ones. If you tell them a secret word, they'll make you like this fancy popcorn. When I went down there last year for my sister's bachelorette, they gave us this Haunted Mansion popcorn. It was Ooh. crazy. Was it creepy? Creepy. It was like purple and green, like uh -oh. Haunted Mansion. Oh, it was the best. We had to say Doom Buggy to them. Then they gave us the popcorn. You had to do a, give a secret password yeah. to get popcorn? Yeah. What is this character? What is this card you're picking? It's the best place. Um, the card's great, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, this popcorn is loaded with a bunch of stuff. You got to share it with people. It's massive. It just has a big presence. You know, you carry it around and it's loaded. You got to have time to sit and eat this thing. The card I'm talking about is massive. Packs a wide load. This card is Magic Broom, the Big Sweeper. Oh, what is the Magic Broom Big Sweeper? Now, I'm a big fan of the broom cards in Lorcana anyways. I like the brooms. We have Mickey, who handles all the brooms. I can't wait to make a broom deck someday. There may or may not be a location for brooms. Oh my god. What? That you haven't seen. I can't wait. But Magic Broom the Big Sweeper is a three cost, one five. And he has the ability, or she has the ability, pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> Clean sweep. While this character is at a location, it gets plus two attack. So, makes it into a three five pretty easily if you put it at a location okay it's got it's got a big butt 
got a big five butt. Mm-hmm. It's a huge sweeper on this picture. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a great card. So it's the, it's the largest broom that we've seen. Yeah. Right? It's going to flesh out the broom decks, give you mm-hmm. some redundancy. It's going to tie into locations if they're, yeah. um, there may or may not be an amazing location that's purpose built for a broom deck. Oof, that gets me even more excited for this. And I think that that card is made to go to that location, in fact. That would make sense. So it, it's nice to see some redundancy for the broom decks. It's fun to see these archetypal decks get some more support, right? And I think it says something about the game too, right? Mm-hmm. Where sometimes in card games you have this phenomenon where a package of cards is designed for one set and then is kind of abandoned for every set thereafter. And then if those initial cards aren't up to par, aren't finding their way into decks or aren't cohesive enough to be a deck on their own, then they become almost useless for the entirety of their their lifetime in the game. Yeah. So it's nice to see that those typo decks aren't being abandoned, right? That there is further support for them and that they there are new twists offered uh, on them in this new set. Yeah, it's awesome to know that we're not going to totally lose those old cards that we love. Magic Broom, the big sweeper, just like Main Street Bakery Popcorn. So what makes him popcorny in particular? Well, I think it's that he's got kind of like a mysterious quality about himself, right? He's big, but he's kind of looming. Mm. The brooms themselves are a little bit like ethereal, a little bit spooky. Mm. And the cool thing about the popcorn is that it has such like a give me the password kind of like uh-huh, deal to uh-huh. it. Where you're like, ooh, you could just get normal popcorn like any normal plebe. Or you could know the password, you know? Sure. The big sweeper, you got to know the password. You got to get in there. All the other brooms are just regular old popcorn at your local cinema, but this guy's popcorn on Main Street USA at Walt Disney World. Okay. And he's secret popcorn. Secret popcorn. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's him. What's your next card, Brett? Well, as you know, I'm a fan of milkshakes. Ugh. Tell me about it. And I'm a fan of cupcakes. Oh, yeah. But perhaps inexplicably, something I'm not a fan of at all, something that I loathe. Yes, I know where this is going. Is the idea to put cupcakes in <laughs> and or on milkshakes. Mm-hmm. This to me you is too much. Yeah. Too much of a good thing. And it's unnecessary. And it might look pretty and flashy. And it might be a cool thing to put on your Instagram or whatever. But. When you actually get down to the nuts and bolts of whether it's something you want, right? You realize that it's an abomination. Yeah, it's an yeah. it's an assault on on your senses. Okay. So when I think of, uh, we've been very complimentary <laughs> of Disney snacks here. So this is a little bit of a departure, but I have to That's say okay. this is a Disney snack that I do not approve of. <laughs> We're always going to be honest with you here in this podcast. And Honestly, if you like like these things, like great, I'm not here to yuck your yum. But just for me personally, you know, there's no accounting for taste. I hate these things. I <laughs> hate them. They they disgust me. You really do. Just like Milo Thatch, the so-called king of Atlantis. Oof. This card is not for me, folks. It is not for Yikes. me. Milo Thatch is a seven-cost uninkable in Emerald. Womp, womp, womp. He is a 4-4. He quests for three. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He shifts for four onto one of the other poor Milos. 
and has the ability take them by surprise. When this character is banished, return all opposing characters to their players' hands. That's flashy. Return all of their characters to their players' hands when he's banished. Okay, yeah, maybe it is. It could be potentially be in the perfect scenario a tempo swing. But when you break it down, when you actually think about this card impacting the board, I don't see this being useful at all. I don't. It doesn't taste good to me. All yeah, right, that's crazy because he's already banished. Right. So when he does his thing, the best case scenario here is. You're at parity, right? The boards are kind of even, and you play Milo. Your opponent has an entire turn to know that this effect could go off, potentially makes favorable trades, races up in lore, whatever they need to do, doesn't play cards, holds things back, whatever, prepares for this to go off, and you're left down a seven cost uninkable. And they replay a bunch, a few cards against you the next turn after yeah. you lose your seven cost on Inkable. If you think about it in terms of what if you're, what if you're behind on the, if you're behind in the game, if this is really one sided and you know you're you're blow, throwing six or seven characters back to your opponent's hand, you're losing the game anyway. You're losing the game so hard <laughs> if he is having a major impact like that. I just don't see Milo being a high-impact legendary, let alone the fact that he's another huge, expensive, uninkable card in Emerald that really can't afford. There are so many uninkable cards that you want to play in Emerald, and you're going to squeeze him in there, and along with his his little shift counterparts that aren't good either, like, you know, you're putting in tutus to, to play that. I'd, I'd rather play many, many other cards before yeah. I play Milo. Yeah, he's a big-time bummer. He's also, I gotta say, not one of my favorite characters. Yeah. I also am not really a fan of a cupcake milkshake. Like, give me one or the other. I like both. I would eat a cupcake milkshake if it was given to me, but I don't know. Like you said, it doesn't taste good. Milo Thatch alone doesn't really taste good. Flashy, Mm -hmm. but not something you want to snack on. Yeah, you see it and you're like, oh, a legendary. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna pull two Milos. In our, we are now. You know, it's going to happen. He heard us. He heard us. We're we're helping contribute to the tanking of his value, and then we're going to pull. We're going to pull a bunch of Milo's. Yeah. And you know, I'm coming. I'm coming on strong, but I'd be happy to pull Milo. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I still want to try him out. You of know, course, it's awesome. Of, I, you know, just like I probably will have a cupcake milkshake someday. Of course, and be you a will. huge hypocrite. I probably will put Milo in a deck just to try to see if we can make him work. And the cool thing about um, putting your your opinions, your hard opinions, out into the world is you get to laugh at yourself when you're very, very wrong. But my impression is that Milo stinks. I think you'll be very, very right. What about you, Katie? Do you have a fourth? card that you would like to preview. Boy, oh boy, do I ever. Mine is also a snack that is beautiful to look at, but difficult to eat. Now, I don't necessarily hate this card that I picked out, but I think that I like the look of it more than I like really anything about the mechanics of the card. Um, Much like a caramel apple on Main Street USA. I'm kind of stuck on Main Street USA today. It's a good place to be. A lot of good snacks on Main Street. Yeah, it's my favorite. The caramel apples, when you see them, are beautiful looking and they'll be like dipped in chocolate and caramel and they've got like little buttons on them to be like Mickey pants or a little mini skirt and they've got the little ears on them and you look at them and you're like, ooh, a candy apple? Like, yeah. 
caramel apple with milk chocolate? Yeah. And then you go to eat it and you're like, how do I eat this? And then you got to like try to cut it with a plastic knife. Then you're kind of just like biting into it and, and then you can't like get there. Every single one of your teeth fall out, which yeah. is what was told to me as a child. <laughs> that all your teeth would fall yeah, out? Yeah, I've never had a caramel apple in my life because I remain convinced to this day that if you do eat a caramel apple, you, all of your teeth will get stuck in the apple. Oh my God. I mean, I don't think it's far off from the truth. I think that could happen. It could happen. See, I'm, I'm, I remain fearful of what a caramel apple would do. So who is the caramel apple of the Inklands? The caramel, the caramel apple of the Inklands is none other than Friar Tuck, Priest of Nottingham. Of course he is. He looks like a caramel apple. I was just going to say that. He's kind of shaped like an apple. <laughs> um, as soon as I just brought this card up and we both were taken, a, taken aback by how much this man looks like an apple in this picture. But what was most attractive to me about this picture is just like the anger, like the raw fury in Friar Tuck's face when I was, because like I was saying, I'm trying not to look at like all the Inklands cards. So I was skimming through them and this one stuck out to me so hard because he's so into it. Like he's, <laughs> he's giving very, 150. He's very animated. Yes. Um, and his ability is you thieving scoundrel. Like, come on. The flavor text under him is get out of my church. <laughs> like, yes, let's go, Friar Tuck. He's a four cost two four. Uh, he quests for two. His flavor text, uh, sorry, not his flavor text, his ability is You Thieving Scoundrel. When you play this character, the player or players with the most cards in their hand chooses and discards a card. And I like that. I've liked many caramel apples that I've had in my life. They're not, there's nothing bad about it. It's just like, probably not going to change my life. It's probably not going to like change the game necessarily, but it's cool. It's beautiful. It's thematic. I'm excited about it. It's it, a nice idea, right? Yeah. It's a nice idea at four costs with decent stats. Like four costs two four that, that quests for two. You'd expect to pay three for two a two four that quests for two, like yeah. Piglet, right? So you're basically playing one to discard a card. And the cost on that normally is two. So theoretically, right, if you if you pull it off, it's a deal. But that's a little bit of a apple in the sky kind of scenario, right? You don't always get to do that. And in fact, you can make yourself discard. You can right. lose your own teeth if you try to snack on <laughs> Friar Tuck. Don't snack on Friar Tuck. Don't eat Friar Tuck. Don't take a bite of that belly. Or you'll lose your teeth. You might lose your teeth. <laughs> that belly, the poor guy. Yeah. He's just a friar. He's just a friar. He could be good. Yeah, I love him. I'm excited for it. I mean, if we get him, I'll be like, yeah, heck yeah. Four cost inkable discard in green. That slot is pretty crowded, right? Because Yeah, it's is, a common thing. Is he better than Daisy? You know, it kind of similar. They both mm. quest for two. They're, you know, both. She's a two, three. He's a two, four. Okay. She is always going to be beneficial. She gets to quest. There's no potential downside of Daisy. It's just yeah. that she can get one for one pretty easily. Mm hmm. And then you have Donald, who's another four-cost inkable. And also, if you're on the Bucky into Prince John train, you might be playing Jafar Floodborne. You want to play a Floodborne on four. So I'm not sure what kind of home Friar Tuck is, gonna, is going to have. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. What about you? What's your next card? My next card is not so flashy. <gasps> Something that you can get just about anywhere. Oh. 
But when you get it in a Disney park, it is because you need it. Oh, it provides sustenance and energy、mm. and nutrition in a clean, healthy way. What is this? My plain old banana of the Inklands. Oh my God! The bare necessities. I was just gonna say, what is it? A banana. <laughs> It is、But、the it bare is. necessities. You can buy bananas in Disney World. You can, and let me tell you, I've had to have a banana a couple times in Disney World, and every single time it was exactly what I needed at that moment. Yeah, that potassium, that little bit of energy, that nice clean bit of there's a little bit of protein bananas, right? You know, gives you everything you need. It costs like even in Disney World, a banana still only costs like seventy five cents. Yeah, which is yeah. amazing. <laughs> That's like double price. I mean, you can't get a, a cup of water in Disney World for for seventy five cents, but you can get a banana. You can get one for free in Disney World. Right. I'm sorry. I don't want to disparage. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to perpetuate the myth that you have to buy a million water bottles in、you、Disney、don't. World. Right. Yes. No. That's. I mean, that's true. You are right. I mean, you can't get a bottle of water. Right. For that cheap. Bare necessities. The bare necessities is a two cost amber action. It is also a song. Its text is. Chosen opponent reveals their hand and discards a non-character card of your choice. Oh my goodness! Is、wow. this card wonderful for Amber? That's awesome. It patches some nice holes. It's a song. It's what Amber wants to be doing anyway. It's inkable if you don't need it. It's going to give you that hand knowledge, which is、mm-hmm. a nice bonus. I think it's generally overrated in card games, but it's a nice little cherry on top. A banana on top. It's a banana on top of the banana that you get to see your opponent's hand, but being able to get rid of a potentially very impactful song,、yes. get rid of a be prepared, obviously get get rid of a whole new world if you don't want that to hit you. It can also get rid of locations, folks. Everybody's going to be playing so many locations. Yeah, and you know what's easier than sinking nine attack into a location? Discarding with the bare necessities. Also, it's beautiful that it's a banana, and there's so many bananas in the bear in Jungle Book. And there are so many bananas in this card art. Yeah, I felt like this card needed to be part of our discussion, not just because of its potential impact to our favorite card game right now, but because of its relation to food. Yeah, it's a it's a food looking card, and it's amber, the same color as a banana. And he's singing about food. Yeah. And you know, I walk around here sometimes singing the big paw paw lyric from, of course, from that song, and I still don't know what a big paw paw who does, is, but I love, I love that he says something is a big paw paw. I never think about that song being about food, but it really is. Yeah, that is the bare necessities of life. So I'm really, really pumped about this card. Yeah,、it's, that's awesome. It's a, it's a rare that I want to try to lock down a playset of really、mm-hmm. early to go into a. You know, maybe a steel song、mm-hmm. update. So that's a that's a quick one for me. What else、awesome. you got? You got your final card here. I've got my final card here. Yeah,、uh, my final card. I picked a snack that is great,、um, but not a lot of people know about it. I would say it's it's a little bit underrated. One of my favorite things to do for breakfast in Disney World, or really, I guess any meal,、um, is to go to Sleepy Hollow, which is right by the entrance to Liberty Square in Magic Kingdom. It's a tiny little、uh, like snack shack, and they have freshly made Belgian waffles that you can get with like any filling you want that they have. I like getting the fresh hot Belgian waffle. 
filled with Nutella and fresh fruit oh, for breakfast. That sounds delicious. It's fantastic. It's cheap. It's a great meal. Like it really, it fills you up for the whole day. You feel like you got a lot of good quality, a lot of bang for your buck. And like I said, it's underrated, which is not dissimilar to Ursula, deceiver of all. So Ursula is a legendary. She's a three cost two three. And she has the uh, ability, what a deal. Whenever this character sings a song, you may play that song again from your discard for free, then put it on the bottom of your deck. Now, I'm not saying that people think this card is bad. People think that this card is great overall on the internet. But when this card was revealed in the article that I read about it, it was also in an article with Jafar's legendary card. Everybody was like, oh, but look at Jafar. Mm -hmm. OTK, Jafar, Jafar, buy your whole new worlds. Right. And that's what happens in Disney World when you've got something like the Mickey Waffle, which is also great that everybody eats in their resort and then they go to the park when they could just wait and get this, which is even cheaper and like arguably just as good, if not better. That's how I feel about Ursula. She only costs three. Like she's a legendary that costs three. Excuse me. And she's inkable. Yeah, and, and Emerald, again, another Inkable and Emerald, really yeah. solid, never bad. No, I think that's awesome. a, I think that's a great take, especially in reference to Jafar, which I think is the card, the boogeyman of the set. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's an interesting take, and I, I think I might agree with you that that Ursula is going to have an, a bigger impact and be more played than that Jafar. Yeah, people just, I feel like people just aren't seeing it because they're like, oh, she just does that. <laughs> There but are more use more. cases. There are way there you can envision more scenarios where you get to use Ursula than Jafar to win the, to win the game. Yeah, right? and this is not to poo-poo Jafar. I think that's also a good card, but mm-hmm. it's just you know give Ursula her due. Mm-hmm, absolutely, I think something that a, a new player tends to underrate is card draw, mm-hmm. and. When you see a big flashy effect like Jafar's that y- you can see how it instantly drives you towards your win condition, that looks like a card you want. Yeah. But perhaps more game winning as a play is using Ursula to sing Friends on the Other Side. Yeah. Twice. It's amazing what two cards can do for you, two extra cards over the course of a game can do in terms of smoothing out your curve, in terms of giving you the extra ink you need, in terms of letting you recover from a, from a board wipe late in the late game. So I agree that Ursula is maybe that sneaky, amazing dish at the yeah. back of the park. Right, exactly. That nobody knows about, stuck in a little sleepy hollow. That's Ursula. Excellent. Okay, now what about you? What is your last little uh card review before we open our big inklands box what's My your last take last treat from the inklands mm, yes well last episode i talked about the dole whip oh yes and i realized you know not maybe not everybody knows what a dole whip is a dole whip is a delightful twist of frozen pineapple juice basically of a, mm-hmm. a, fr- a pineapple juice blend with vanilla soft serve ice cream all twisted together it's fresh dole pineapple juice, frozen and mixed with vanilla soft serve. And yeah. my goodness, when it is a hot day in Disney World, there is nothing that you would rather have. It is refreshing. It doesn't make. It's not heavy. Yeah. It's light. Perfect. It's, it's it's perfect. It gives you a little boost of sugar. Love it. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna plus that up a little bit, yeah. right? Which I think is the underrated best way to have a Dole Whip. Yep, you I see can where you're get going. a Dole Whip float. Ooh, yeah. You can have that ice cream 
sat in a cup of ice cold pineapple juice. So good. And my goodness, is that refreshing. It's when you think of a Dole Whip, it's maybe not the first thing you think of, but it ends up being probably my favorite, my number one favorite Disney World treat, you know? Yeah. So this is a card that is very good. And I think we we know it's going to be very good at this point. But I think it's similarly being overshadowed by cards like Jafar, right? Yep. And by by OTK Beast combos, right? Yep. And that is another legendary that was one of the first ones spoiled, and now we've kind of forgotten about it. It mixes up a couple of abilities, but he makes your whole day sing when you play him. And that is Jim Hawkins. Ooh. Space Traveler. Nice. Jim Hawkins Space Traveler is a five-cost inkable in Ruby. Mm. He is a 4-4, four, four, quests for two. Not bad stats. No. He's maybe, you know, one strength and one willpower off of a vanilla character. Yep. He has the ability. This is it. When you play this character, you may play a location with cost four or less for free. He also has take the helm. Whenever you play a location, this character may move there for free. And folks, this card is very, very good. Yeah, that sounds incredible. For a long time, we were kind of hedging our bets a little bit, I think, as a, as a community and saying, well, we don't know how good some of these cards are going to be. We don't know how good Jim is going to be until mm-hmm. we see all of the locations and know how they work and how they impact the board. Sure. Well, I think right now it's safe to say that locations are going to be making some kind of impact. Yeah. They are going to be played and that some of the locations are very strong. Yeah. To point one out in particular, the legacy, Jim Hawkins' ship, the Solar Galleon, right? On the turn you play, if you play it, on the turn that you play Jim Hawkins, you get the full four cost negated for this location. So you're getting nine ink worth of cards. Wow. Onto the board. You can instantly move Jim Hawkins there. He instantly then gains evasive. And while he's there, he makes it too cheaper to move characters there, right? So all of these synergies that instantly take place, in the, right when you play him, you get a, a, a bomb location that protects your characters, yeah. that completely swings the board. If you can pull this off, if you can build a deck that plays towards playing Jim on turn five with that location in your hand, you're going to have a, a good time. That's a huge tempo swing, a huge tempo swing, and it propels you. It, it, it jettisons you towards the late game, giving you the opportunity to have a whole bunch of evasive characters that can suddenly start questing with impunity. Yeah, I think that Jim Hawkins, much like his movie, is underrated. Sure. You know, when that movie came out, people were like, wow, this is cool. And then they forgot about it really quickly, much like you were saying with Jim with the Jim Hawkins card. Absolutely. I think that I think you're so right. I think that as soon as it enters gameplay and as soon as people get really into locations, which we know they will, they'll realize Jim Hawkins is dank. Absolutely. Dole whip float. Jim Hawkins is the lovely twist of ice cream, and he is just sitting in a, a pool of pineapple locations. Delicious. I hope we pull him and not Milo. I was just going to say, Milo <laughs> Thatch, eat your heart out. <laughs> we got Jim Hawkins. Good good call. Really good cards. Yeah, really good stuff. That was awesome. A good segment. A, a wonderful main course. Yeah. I can't wait to really get all these 
England's cards. Me too. I can't wait to get get our hands on them. On to the next segment. Okay, here we go. All right, we are back for our drinks course. Ooh. Little uh, post-dinner cocktail. Little yeah. Dis- little, uh, little refreshment. Little fresh- maybe a little refreshment. It's a, maybe it's a coffee after dinner. Maybe it's a little drinky drink. A little Irish coffee. Yeah. Get us, get us going here. Of course. We have our second installment of Bet You Didn't Know About Diz. Diz. With Katie. Yeah, here's our uh, here's our bet you didn't know about Diz for today. So I'm supposed to ask you about Marceline, Missouri, which still yes. sounds like a character from an Annie Prue novel. But anyway. It's not a person, believe it or not. Marceline, Missouri is a town in Missouri, which Walt Disney lived in when he was growing up. He grew up mostly in Kansas City, uh, but he did live in Marceline for a time. And that is what Main Street USA is modeled after. Okay. The Main Street of Marceline. Gotcha. So now when I worked out in Disneyland, I had a crazy ear infection. My eardrum burst, blah, blah, blah. I couldn't fly home to New Hampshire. So my mom flew out. We drove across the country together. And one of the stops we made was in Marceline, Missouri. Because if you go to Marceline, Missouri, you can walk down the original Main Street USA. That whole strip still exists. Now, are there similarities? Did you note similarities between what you saw in Marceline, Missouri and Main Street in Disneyland? Yes, I already knew about these similarities. <laughs> so, so You sought this out. It wasn't like you happened to drive through Marceline. No, no, no. So was it, was it like a one-hour detour or a three-hour detour? It was a one-hour detour. Oh, okay. Not bad. But we were both into it. Uh-huh. Uh, we, because of some storm, we actually couldn't go through St. Louis. So we had to go this way somehow. Marceline's a little bit in the middle of nowhere, and Missouri's pretty, uh, pretty expansive. I don't know if we have anybody listening from Missouri, but there's a lot of space in Missouri. Very unlike California and unlike New England. You get to Marceline, and it's pretty much just a strip of Main Street USA. And there's the Walt Disney Museum, which was unfortunately closed. No. But that's okay. They have a big uh, model of a train, all this cool stuff. It was awesome to see Main Street USA. It looks just like it does in Disney World. You know, it looks like it, a, a turn-of-the-century Main Street. They've changed a lot about it, obviously. People use it today. It's, it has businesses. It's functioning. But the cool thing is, in both Disney World and Disneyland, if you go all the way down to the bottom of Main Street USA, you're, like, walking down it, and then on the left, there is always um, an establishment that sells Coca-Cola. So in Walt Disney World, that's Casey's Corner. Right, they have a big Coca-Cola sign. Same kind of a thing in Disneyland. Disneyland doesn't have Casey's Corner. But in that corner, there's a Coca-Cola sign. In Marceline, at the end of Main Street USA, is a really old painted Coca-Cola sign, like on the side of a brick building. Pretty cool. What was, what was Walt's goal, like beyond reproducing his hometown? Like what about, what about his hometown did he want to capture, do you think? I mean, the... The idea of Disney World and Disneyland and like the Disney parks, I guess, is that you're stepping back in time to a period of your life when things were simpler. And I think that for him, that specific Main Street is like a symbol 
of the simpler times. Um, it's like decidedly not Kansas City, where he's known to have some harder times in his life. It's that it's that like Missouri idea of like the working class Americana eat it up kind of an idea. And to him, there was nothing that was more of a touchstone, more of like an Americana feeling than that Main Street USA. And when you walk down Main Street USA, that's the idea. The idea is to make you feel like warm and fuzzy, the American family, home, love. They play Hello, Dolly. They play Oklahoma. They play all those like The Music Man, all those Americana kind of Broadway musicals that make you feel like everything's okay and we're all working together as a team. And I love you and yay and the trolley mm. song. Yeah, I smell cookies. Someone's making cookies. My mom's making cookies. That magic like, cookie smell again. Yeah, that that's the idea. That's the idea of sure. Main Street USA is that it it kinda is it's it's like programming you to feel like an innocent child again and like everything's magical and everything's okay. Are there any little facts about Main Street that you'd like to highlight? A little Easter eggs about the Disney World, Disneyland Main Streets. Main Street USA, though, if we want to talk about Easter eggs, I don't think there's anywhere in any Disney park that is more Easter eggs in one concentrated area than Main Street USA. Every single window on Main Street USA is an Easter egg. It's an Easter egg hunt. It's Easter every day. A lot of them are nods to animators. They're nods to people who built the parks and Imagineers. They're nods to Walt's family. There are nods to businesses that Walt made up when he was buying land in Florida and California. And and the windows in Main Street USA depend on the park, too. Like, I know if you go overseas to those parks, they have the Imagineers that were involved in those. Oh, and like, really cool. Yeah, there's, they're, all, they're individualized. Um, I've done many tours where they explain all the windows to you. But even those, they don't explain all the windows because there's so many of them. They don't them. have 10 hours. Really yeah. cool. All right. Well, that's really cool info about Marceline and the history of Main Street USA. Hey. I think it's time for a... A little hungry. Yeah? Yeah? Could use a little something sweet here. A little dessert? Yeah, let's do a little dessert. Sounds good. All right. Let's, uh, let's get some dessert in here. I'm a little hungry. What'd you make up for dessert this week, Brett? Oh, I made a little treat again. Ooh. Last week we had the little Wally and Eva pair. Yeah, your dream cards. And some more dream cards, you know, created with the VintageCCG.com card creator, which I couldn't remember the name of last episode. It is linked on our last episode description. I'll link it again when I post these cards on our Instagram, at Smorkana. Uh, 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 at S-M-O-R-C-A-N-A, Smorkana. Yes. Give us a like and a follow and whatever, and you can see these dream cards for yourself. Mm-hmm. Please do. So today we have another pair. I like designing in pairs. I don't know what's mm. what happened here. Yeah. Um, designing. God, I don't know. Not designing. Concocting. Uh, brewing. <laughs> designing. Brewing. brewing yeah. Whipping up. You know, like yes. so much Chantilly cream. Oh, yes. Our for, first car, this is another uh, duo that I would love to see added to the game. I expect them to be added to the game. I'm sur- honestly surprised that they haven't been added to the game. It's just a question of what, what form they might take. Yeah. The first card, a two-cost inkable card in Emerald, is Chip Snack Thief. Oh, I love him. Chip Snack Thief. There he is munching on some popcorn that he stole from Donald Duck. So cute. He is a two-cost zero-one 
that quests for one. He is evasive. Mm -hmm. He has the ability hijinks. After this character quests, choose a card in an opponent's inkwell. That card does not ready at the start of their next turn. Yeah. Amazing. He steals a little snack. He says, uh, you can't have that. It's, it's, you know, it doesn't last forever because he's just a little chipmunk. Yeah. Well, he's a little nuisance. Up to no good. Causing yeah. some mischief. Yeah. He's evasive. He's really small, right? He's not good on attack. He can quest for that little one and, and, and throw a little wrench in your opponent's plans. Yeah, he's awesome. Chip he's the, the snack thief. And he goes, you might have guessed it. I wonder who. With his partner in crime, Dale. Uh. He is a one-cost emerald inkable card. Dale, partner in crime, is a zero-one. He is also evasive. So cute. He has no lore. He cannot quest for any lore. However, he has the ability, better together, you can exert him. And chosen character gains plus one lore this turn. He's fun working with his buddy Chip. You can give him. He's good with any other evasive character, right? Something that is going to stick around on the board, maybe. Give him some lore. Let them quest for a little bit more. He also has some really fun combo potential, mm -hmm. which is where he might get be especially good and maybe a little bit dangerous, right? You combo him with something like Beast Relentless, where you know, okay, you give Beast Relentless an extra lore, and then all of a sudden, every single time the Beast quests, he's questing for three instead of two. Ooh, that could get really, really fun, really, really good. Yeah. But you know, he's he has his drawbacks, right? Where he he's n not good in challenges. You can clear him pretty easily if you have an evasive character of your own. But I think fun and at, at, at a, a cost of one is very reasonable. Yeah, an inkable. inkable one, sure. Chip and Dale, a cute little duo. This is their non-rescue ranger form. I was just going to say that to you. Now, why did you decide to go with their non-rescue ranger form? Last time we did these dreamborn Wally and Evas where mm -hmm. they're, they're their best versions of themselves. Yeah. And here I really wanted to capture the classic Chip and Dale feel, right? Where they're just these... These tiny little nuisances who run around and, and yeah. cause a whole bunch of trouble. They pop all the popcorn. It goes everywhere. They steal it all away. I think that's a really fun way to think of Chippendale. Yeah. I, I expect at this point, really, that we'll get the Rescue Ranger mm -hmm. versions, which I love Chippendale. Yeah. I, my first comic book, weirdly, was a Rescue Rangers comic book. I, I'll never forget that. My dad brought it home one day from work. It had like a white cover on it. He knew I loved the Rescue Rangers. It was the first, the like, you know, number one, Chippendale number one. I should try to find a picture of it. I'm sure it exists somewhere. Yeah. Um, I, don't, on Instagram. I don't have it anymore, unfortunately, but um, I, I love Chippendale. They, they were the characters where, you know, I remember going to Disney World as a kid and I was probably five and it was the first, you know, first time in, in my memory anyway that I was at Disney World and it was the kind of thing where like okay if you're good and like don't ask for anything I'll trip and and you're a good kid the whole time then at the end you can get a souvenir and I remember on the like the first day I saw a Chip and a Dale plushie these two plushies and I was like oh my goodness how am I gonna pick between Chip That's and Dale you know and I was dead so I was like all right and they were the Rescue Rangers versions you got you know Dale in the Hawaiian shirt and and Chip and the Indiana Jones kind of get up. And I was like, well, I'm going with Chip. Like, Chip is more me. I'm, I'm going to pick Chip. And, and I remember at the end, they were like, my parents were like, you were so good that you can get Chip and Dale. Oh, and I best. still have that Chip and Dale. I love, I love Chip and Dale. So there's my little, my, uh, my inclination to make these cards came from that appreciation for those characters. 
you remember when we met Chip and Dale in Disney World on our first trip together? I do. We had just come out of the sci-fi diner. At Hollywood diner, Studios. Yep. And we had eaten way too much food. Yeah. So this was um, in 2019, 2018, 2019. 20, 20, the beginning of 2019. Yeah. And we had the deluxe dining plan, which doesn't even exist anymore. Even now the dining plans have come back. And the deluxe dining plan gave you an appetizer. Okay, sorry. An appetizer each, a main course each, a specialty drink each, and a dessert each. (laughs) It was so much food, and we loved it. And this meal was our last meal? Yeah. I think, right? Yep. Um, Our last sit-down meal. And we (laughs) we ate so much, and we got these, um, these, like, adult milkshakes. And we were so full and it was so hot. And we went out to meet Chip and Dale and we thought we were going to die. <laughs> they were like right outside of the restaurant, just meeting people. And we were like, oh, we have to wait for them. But standing in that hot line was like, oh. it was, it, it, there's some pictures from the, the lovely photo pass <laughs> people who take your picture with the characters. And we're both looking kind of pasty and pale. And, yeah. And like we, we perhaps don't want to be there at that very moment. <laughs> But we couldn't let the fun train stop, now could we? No, definitely not. Those are our, our dream cards for the week. Our Chip and Dale. Check us out on Instagram. Insta. Well, there we go. That's episode two. We made it through a second episode. Oh, my God. We've doubled the number of episodes we've recorded. Does this mean that we're number one, one in the world? Like we're double number one? We're number one one in the world now, yeah. But not 11. No, one one. Yeah. We're number one one in the world. Yeah, like Roman numerals or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we are opening up Inklands, a box. Oh my gosh. Hopefully a trove. Hopefully we score a trove. Hopefully we don't have to keep our cards in the Stonewall Kitchen jam gift box for too much longer. Yeah. Since we got into this game on Christmas Day, we have been storing all of our cards inside a Stonewall Kitchen jam gift box. Which we love and it's worked pretty well. It's sturdy. It's appropriately sized to hold some cards and things. Mm -hmm. It is anti-thematic, I would say. Yes, it's it couldn't be less related. You have to be it's like the it's like a hipster Lorcana card box, I'd say. You yeah, know, it's like we're it, we're trying to be cool and being like we don't need no Lord County gift box. We're just gonna put in this whatever Stonewall Kitchen gift box. Yeah, exactly. We're trying to be cool. Yeah, yeah. Like we're, we don't need that stuff. We don't but need a trove. We would absolutely devour a trove or a box that even just has Mickey on it. Anything and anything that's like maybe twice the size of what we have. Sure. Because also in our own defense, when we dipped our toe into the game. On Christmas Day, we weren't sure that we were going to love it, be obsessed with it or love it. So, And then we played two games. <laughs> yeah. We were and like, then oh, we loved it. We liked this oh, quite we a bit. Yes, this is wonderful. Are any stores open today? <laughs> Wait a second. This is both mechanically better than Hearthstone and has more an IP that we enjoy a lot more. Wow. Okay. Right. Um, right. So here we are. So we're going to hopefully land a trove. I'm going to, I don't have to work on Friday, so I'm going to be at the store at least right when it opens. Yeah. Trying to score one of the three that they apparently are getting. Woof. Yeah. And we'll open those up Friday. We're going to a sealed event on Saturday. Sure are. So next episode, we'll have a nice recap of what we opened, of how the tournament went. Yep. 
And we'll be talking perhaps about how we would like to see Lorcana incorporated into the Disney parks in the future. Yeah, it's all it's all we dream about. That's what we look forward to. Again, Smorkana, our number one goal is to eat a s'more at Disney World while playing Lorcana. Is that so much to ask? It's not, and we're going to tell you how we're going to do it next episode. Ooh! In the meantime, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and give us a like and a follow and a subscribe on whatever your preferred podcast platform is. Until next time. Thanks for listening. 